Sunday of Hope, we have to put our hope in Jesus Christ. If our hope is in man, you're going to stress out. If our hope is in our prime minister or our government, you're going to stress out. Our hope is in the Lord. These are men and women doing what they think they can do, whether they do it right or wrong, who knows, but God is never wrong. He is always right. To live every day with God is a choice. We have to make a choice on what we're going to do and how we're going to live with God every day. You see, when you got married, or if you never did get married and you're going to get married, when you said, I do, it became a choice to live in love and honor for the rest of your life with that person. So it's a choice on how your marriage goes. It's not, oh no, it's just a bad circumstance that started to happen. No, you actually chose to go down bad circumstances if you went through a divorce. He, you, she, whoever. Relationships are subject to choices. It's not subject to how much you care for somebody. It's subject to the choice on whether you want to care for somebody. But if we forget about covenant, what we do is our relationships become so so trivial that any time someone offends you, you break covenant. But you see, that's not covenant. And so with God, we have made covenant with him by receiving Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, being filled with the Holy Spirit. We have made covenant as the bride with the groom and adopted into the sonships, daughterships of the kingdom. So living Every day with God is your choice, not his, because he already made the choice. His choice is already made. And the neat thing with God is no matter what you do, he will never stop loving you. 2 Peter 3, verse 11 to 13. 2 Peter chapter 3, starting verse 11, the day of the Lord. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons... Ought, ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness. I think this is very important. We have to look at, since all these things will be dissolved, everything around us, whatever, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Two key points to grasping the concept of living with God every day. Verse 12, looking for in hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. How many of you want to live where righteousness dwells? Amen? So this scripture, we know theologically it's, it's referring to the return of the Lord Jesus. But I want to apply this scripture for today. I believe many of us, when we study the word of God, we, all, we study it as a future time happening. But the neat thing with the living word of God is his word is applied for today. Everything in his word can be applied in our hearts for living life today. So when we look at this word hastening, it means to cause in verse 12. 
So we take a look and we say, verse 11 again, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? So when you're living in holy conduct and godliness, you're looking for, and that word hastening is cause. You're looking for and cause the coming of the day of God. Hastening is to cause. Living in holy in God, holy conduct and godliness causes God to come. So when you look at this, you could say holy conduct and godliness are kingdom rules. We know that. And when we live with holy conduct and godliness now on earth, then God's kingdom rules in us. Then God's kingdom becomes part of us because God comes in when we when we live in godliness and holiness. According to Revelation 19, the bride of Christ should make herself ready. That's you and me. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning, you are part of the bride of Christ. Anyone watching, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are part of the bride of Christ. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to believe on Him and be saved. That's, that's all you have to do. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved in Jesus' name. Amen. So Revelation 19 says that we need to make ourselves ready. Well, how do we make ourselves ready? I believe we live in holiness and righteousness and cause the coming of the Lord. Coming of God in us now when Jesus described the kingdom of heaven is at hand, but he said to the Pharisees, actually he said, the kingdom of God is within. The kingdom of God is within. Kingdom of heaven is at hand. I truly believe when we go after the godly and righteous living, we cause God to come. You could use it for end time theology. You could use it for that. I'm using it for right now, today. I am going after whatever it takes to cause God to come deeper in my life. I am not going to live unrighteous and unholy. I will live righteous goodness in my life. And I know that it's not a question, but it's actually a command that be, through righteous and holy living, you cause God now in your life. Because it's not, it's improper to expect Jesus to make his bride ready. I'm just going to clear, clarify something here. So many of us cry out, Jesus, make your bride ready. Well, it's not right for a groom to dress his bride. If you're a groom and you dress your bride, that's a messed up wedding. Well, the groom, the bride dresses and adorns herself with who? The ladies around her, the mothers, the sisters. That's why I believe we're in a season where the ladies around us are rising up in a fresh new fire that we have not seen before because they are such an integral part 
of the bride getting ready. You know, I've, I've had my two daughters get married and, and one daughter-in-law. And I go in and say, hey, is it okay to come in? And yep, they're all, she's dressed, so okay, you come in. And, and you know, when, when, when the bride is getting ready, it's a whole different atmosphere than the guys, the groom, getting ready. <laughs> like, like, the bride is like, oh, crying and weeping and happy and joy and emotional. And, and the ladies are all saying, oh, you're beautiful. And they're all working and adorning her hair and, and, and just making sure there's no wrinkles in her dress. And everything is perfect and beautiful. She's gorgeous. She's the bride. And then you go into the groom's side. Hey, dude, come on, man. This is the day. Wow, wow, dude, you look cool, man. You know, it's like, I believe in heaven. They're more like, hey, man, come on, let's go. Come on, church bride, rise up. We defeated the devil. We kicked him out. And every demon kicked him out of heaven. We're not out at war anymore. Because if we think the angels in the heavens of God are still at war, then you think with a defeated mentality. And you have to contend and fight for everything. But let me tell you what. In the new covenant, what Jesus did on that cross and his resurrected power, you actually don't have to fight. He took the fight. He took your chains. He took your condemnation. When someone disagrees with you and dislikes you, Jesus already took it. Oh, mind you, they might have a good legitimate point, so it's always good to listen. The angels aren't at war. The heavens, God, is not at war. And he's looking for a bride that has peace that passes all understanding, who's adorning herself, gathering, to, gathering together, in the front, worshiping. Kevin called people up. You know Why? Because you weren't coming up. Well, do I have to? Was he manipulating me? I don't know. What could I, how could I manipulate you to grab the concept that you're already victorious and you don't have chains on you? How? how, how well, you're going to manipulate me, Pastor Brent? I'll do what I need to do to help you understand that you already have the victory. Just like my children. If, if, if they're going to walk in fear of going out the door because lightning might strike them, I'm going to probably grab them and say, guess what, little kids? Come, come, come. Let's go out and play in the field and hang on to them and not let them go. Sometimes we think Christianity is just like this passive religion. It's not. It actually is a fierce religion. Love is not a passive thing. Love conquers and overcomes everything. So please don't come to church and expect Jesus to dress you. He isn't making the church ready. You're making the church ready. He's waiting for you and I to make the church ready. See, the bride becomes more than positionality and a legality. 
it actually becomes righteousness practiced on earth to coexist in heaven. You can't come and throw money at my feet. I can't sprinkle you with holy water and say your sins are forgiven. I'll save you that. You, you know, you want to put money at my feet, I'll receive it, but I'm just kidding. I'm joking, totally joking. But what I'm saying is you can't expect someone else to do what you're supposed to do. You can't expect the family to fully clothe you and make you right. Within the family... We have power and strength to help each other, but ultimately, if my wife and, and daughters were, were adorning and dressing the bride, she could take the veil off and rip it off. They put it on, she rips it off. They put it on, she rips it off. They put makeup, she smears it off. The bride has to be wanting to be adorned. <laughs> For a union that she's longed for her whole life. That's what we are. We are a longing for a union with the groom. You say, well, I already have Jesus in me. You're right. I'm talking the spiritual side of the marriage. Christ is coming back for a bride. She's actually supposed to be spotless, clean, and wrinkle-free. The bride must become righteous in practice. According to Peter, the bride of Christ hastens or causes the return of Jesus. Scripture we just read. Oh, I wish, I wish Christ would return. Well, start being a better bride. There are some who believe that God has this select time clock. At just the right time, he splits wide the heavens and comes down ready or not. Maybe, maybe that is how he does it. I don't think so. I, I think it's more like he's a goldsmith. And you know, the old school goldsmiths, they, they melt all the gold and there's dross and impurities in there. How the old school goldsmith knew it was pure gold was after they pull all the dross out and they, they cook it more, heat it up. And, and once all the dross is out and the impurities are out, they would look into the gold and see the reflection of their face. And if the reflection of their face was perfect, it was, it was pure gold. So you're the gold. Jesus is the goldsmith. He's just looking for the perfected reflection of his face in his bride. I truly believe that we have come into a season that is not judgment. It is a season of the opportunity of the greatest and largest and biggest revivals that this world has ever seen, ever seen. The bride, you know, is offered to repent. And many people repent for the bride. We repent for things, repent for the past of our fathers and the, or past grandfathers or whatever. I believe the Holy Spirit right now is taking the bride of Christ through a fire and a circumstances of testings and teachings like we've never seen. In all my years on this earth, 
I have never, ever been locked out of doing church, <laughs> except for the last year and a half. It's a mind-boggling thing. But you know what's cool is we've actually grown through it. <laughs> Financially, that's why we can start actually on the floor, because we actually grew through it. I know a lot of churches got hurt and damaged, and some have shut their doors. But I want to tell you what, there's something in this bride that's fresh and new, that's actually geared up for the next future of what God has called us into. Because what we did 50 years ago is not what we're going to be able to do tomorrow. What we did 10 years ago will not look like what we did tomorrow. And if we get a religious box in such a way that we never change from 50 or 20 years ago, it won't work. It's going to die. Yeah, die, I think they said. I truly believe that we're in a season that we are as a bride to repent. But I want you to hear what I have to say. One of the ways the bride repents is to change her perspective in the renewing of her mind. Another way the bride repents is to live in her true identity in Christ that is drawn from the kingdom of God. I don't feel that right now repenting for the past wrongs of five or six or ten generations ago is going to solve the problems within the bride. And I'll tell you why. The world meaning of repentance. Repentance is reviewing one's actions and feeling contrition or regret for past wrongs. So the world's perspective of repentance is basically looking or going over the past things of what you've done wrong and feeling bad about it. It's interesting because a lot of churches walk or a lot of ministries walk down that path. But let's look at what biblical repentance is. Biblical repentance means responding to God's love by being transformed in your convictions and actions. It means that biblical repentance is actually not trying to repent for the past, but literally walk into the understanding that God is with me all the time. And when I walk on this earth and I change my lifestyle and move greater into more, more, more into greater aspects of his kingdom, I literally start walking in repentance biblically. So it's not so much about what you've done wrong in God's eyes of biblical repentance. It's more about what are you going to do today to change tomorrow. And you know what? If you say you're sorry, that's not repentance. Repentance is a change of attitudes, a change of direction. It's something changing in your life so you don't go back down that road. You know how many times I've heard different groups and ministries repent for the same thing that their great-grandfathers did over and over again, and they're still doing it. And I'm like, Go ahead and repent for that. There's nothing you could do or change it. What's going to matter is are you walking in biblical repentance now, which means knowing the love of God in such a way that I am walking in forgiveness, truth, and life, and I am moving throughout this earth as a, as a tornado of revival in Jesus' name. Because if I let the past issues, can you imagine? My parents were missionaries for over 50 years. Great man and woman of God. Amazing parents. Hmm, let me think, did my dad ever do something wrong? 
celebrate what good was there, take it and run with it and build everything God has for you for the future. Otherwise, if I believe God is cursing his people right now, then your sickness is a curse. Your broken leg is a curse. Your flat tire is a curse. Your speeding ticket's a curse. Your leaky roof is a curse. Even though you knew you needed to change the roof 15 years ago. That is not hope. That is not the God of revival. That is not the God I know. Your past sin, you should feel so bad about it that you'll never do it again. But if you keep feeling bad over and over again, then you haven't learned forgiveness. The neat thing about God, when you are walking forgiveness, your past sins, what are they? They're buried in the deepest ocean to be remembered every weekend? No. To actually never be remembered again. So if you're living in the condemnation of your past sin, find Jesus. Become a bride. Because it doesn't matter what you did before. Even in a new wedding, you've said I do to each other. No matter what happened, you've now committed I do. And as a husband, a new husband, you don't go, well, do you remember, wife? You did this before you knew me, and you did this before... Are you kidding me? I tried it. It doesn't work. No, I'm kidding. I didn't. No. I couldn't, I couldn't, get, on Sharon, couldn't get after Sharon because I, I think she lived this like, uh, she was like, she was just born a Christian. <laughs> Pretty much the second person sinless in the world, I think, other than Jesus, but drove me nuts. I'm like, seriously, you wouldn't even think that way? No. Oh, that drives me nuts. Aren't you upset? No. What are you upset for? Well, the guy cut me off. Are you kidding me? Biblical repentance, responding to God's love by being transformed in your convictions and actions. Being transformed by God's love. This is what I'm talking about. Being transformed by God's love. If you're not being transformed, find more of his love. When the father looks at his bride, or looks at the bride, I should say, and sees the countenance, the reflection of his son, I think that'll be the day of the returning of the Lord. And the wedding will take place. Break off negative paths. Matter of fact, right now, just say, you know what? I'm not going to even think about it anymore. Just done. Nothing I can change about the past. It's done. What am I going to do today? I'm going to learn by the power of testimony of the past. And I'm going to advance and go forward in all that God has for me. If you're going to look back and celebrate things of the past, look back and celebrate the good things of the past. You know, on average, probably the individuals in here, most of you are probably pretty good people. I would tend to say you have a much higher percentage of good things than you do of bad. 
it just mind boggles me how we can allow the enemy authority on us remembering the little the few of the bad things but the problem doesn't just exist within us it's actually the problem of us living in unforgiveness to the others around us when we aren't able to forgive the past of others that sinned against us or violent against us then we ourselves can't live and walk in true forgiveness I think we need to let a lot of stuff go quit picking up the chains the chains have fallen off in Jesus name they're on the ground leave them down do not pick those chains up do not pick the chains up leave them off you and if you have chains on you right now I want to declare by the power of the name of Jesus Christ they are broken off you now in Jesus name that you are not to walk with the chains of the enemy bound around you. Again, if there's a chain on you, let it be chained to Jesus. And he is going, going, going. And he, if he has to drag you along, then let him drag you along in Jesus' name. Do not put yourself in a prison cell. Depression, worry, stress. When we allow that to be the fundamental structure of our day, you might as well go to the jail, put it, go sit in the cell, close the door, and throw the key just far enough where you can't reach it. Who we are is not because you blame somebody else. I look at people that have had the, some of the most terrible upbringing as children that are some great revivalists now. Because let me tell you what, as much as your parents have done good or bad in your life, this is our Father in heaven. And hallowed is His name. Holy, holy, holy. chains down and keep them down and just don't ever bring them back up don't open any door that gives the authority to the enemy and if you make a mistake repent don't let it drag you down just stop doing it start advancing in the presence of God. Grow in thankfulness in your heart. You don't have to be thankful for everything, but stay focused on the things that you are thankful for. Know that you are who you are and whose you are. Refuse to partner with any thoughts that does not inspire hope. 
Because if you partner with any thoughts that do not inspire hope, then you partner with a lie. That's why bad prophecies about God destroying us. I don't see hope in that. Because in other words, nothing you can do about it. But that's not true. This word right here is the living word of God. And it tells us what we can do. It tells us the power and the authority through Jesus Christ in our lives that we walk in. It tells us in this new covenant that God is a God of love. God is a good God. He still has all his attributes, absolutely. He can do whatever he wants to do. But just because, like I said earlier, one of my kids doesn't do what I say, I'm not going to go amputate their leg. I'm not going to go flood their house out and kill people. I'm not going to go flood out their cows and kill all the cows that I created. I'm talking new covenant. I'm not talking old. I'm not saying God can't do that. He can. He can snap his finger and the world's gone. He can speak one word and it's done. And however your end time theology looks, it has to realize that Christ Jesus, the groom, is coming for a bride. And there's a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to live with him forever. That's the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I encourage you. Let's go help the flood victims in any way that we can. Let's pray for them. For all the tragedies around this world. And let's not look at it as a curse. Let's look at it as an opportunity to spread the love of Jesus Christ to the people of this earth. Because you know what? Many times we just need to help to break the chains off. It was a bit of a fight just to get people to cook a turkey, and I'm thinking, does no, no one like turkey? But you know what? Those people that just, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Oh, chain fell off. Oh yeah, now everyone wants to cook a turkey, right? No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Be because, I'll tell you why. Service releases chains. Doing something you don't necessarily want to do, but know you should, releases chains. Have you ever been like that? Well, the church just wants me to help. Yeah, of course. Like you probably want your son to mow the lawn when he gets older or look after something. Maybe you want your family, your kids to do the dishes or something. I don't know. I mean, I, I expect that as a dad. Well, I mean, I don't expect the sons to be in the kitchen, but I'm just kidding. I am, I'm saying that because I said that the other day to my daughters. Why is Samuel helping you cook those cookies? He shouldn't be in the kitchen. I did it just to get a spark and I got a spark. No, I got a fire. 
Actually, it wasn't just a spark. <laughs> oh, my. How do we end this? So what chains you choose to carry today are your choice to carry them. Otherwise, drop now. In Jesus' name. How you walk this life in sickness, financial problems, how you walk this life will be subject to what chains you've carried or dropped. Because sickness won't hold me down. I'm going after God in every area that I can. And you know what? If one day I'm wheeled up here in a wheelchair, I'll still be preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if I get a wheelchair, it's going to be a high-powered one that goes wheelies and fast, and we'll do a little jump off the stage here, okay? Do I want to be in a wheelchair? Of course not. But if I was, it's not going to change who I am. Hope is already poured out through Jesus Christ. Whether you grab hope is whether or not you receive it. Let us know. Hope is, is a cause of faith, and faith is a cause of hope. Let's all stand. Romans 8:28. And we know that only some things work together. No, oh, did I misquote that? And we know that only some. And we know that all things work together for the good to those who love God. To those who are the called according to his purpose. You're called to his purpose. All things work together for the glory of God. Amen.